Welcome to Facts Matter, the podcast discussing Michigan public policy through a research lens. Facts Matter is brought to you by the Citizens Research Council of Michigan, a 104-year-old independent nonprofit research organization that provides unbiased information on the significant issues concerning state and local government organization and finance. Our research can be found at crcmich.org. Now, let's dive into the facts that matter. Welcome back to another edition of Facts Matter. My name is Joe Steele. Today we're speaking with Craig Thiel, Research Director at the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. Thank you very much for taking some time to share your insights with us today. Glad to be here. So today we're going to get into the recent federal stimulus funding that was directed towards schools and really what that means for districts and students around the state. As one might uh, expect, there's some Good news and, and uh, that goes along with the stimulus, but also some, some challenges around some of the funding components. And you covered this recently in a blog that people can find at crcmich.org. So uh, I guess first, can you tell us a little bit about the who, the what, the why, and, and just all about this uh, stimulus package that the schools are expecting? Sure. Um, you know, uh, at the end of last calendar year, Congress and the president seemed to get together on the same page and passed a $900 billion uh, relief bill. And buried in the bill is a sizable chunk of money for K through 12 education, higher education, um, as well as for um, other, you know, education related uh, purposes. And, uh, you know, the idea was that school districts who are challenging, are being challenged to provide education this, this fall, this new year, and, and with the pandemic and the challenges of reopening, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, the concerns over potential revenue costs, uh, mm-hmm. revenue cuts to their budgets, Congress felt it appropriate to, to provide another uh, shot in the arm of federal money, and what a shot it was. <laughs> What's the bottom line? How much is the stimulus uh, well, the, uh, expected to get here? Yeah, so that's the the big part of the shot in the arm comment. Uh, last spring, when Congress provided education relief, it was about four hundred million dollars coming to the state of Michigan. This time around, it's four times that amount. So we're talking about one point six billion. Mm-hmm. Um, the vast majority of this money, uh, at least ninety percent, is going to get um, sent directly to local public school districts and charter schools in the state. So that's the good news, right? Uh, federal stimulus coming to help support these schools directly to the schools instead of going through the state, which is different than what happened in the spring. Um, they have until 2023 to spend this money, correct? But uh, as you wrote, and as I mentioned, there's some challenges with how this money is being uh, distributed. So can you talk about that formula uh, that you wrote about and how, how this money is being distributed to districts around the state? Yeah, so Congress um, probably, um, for ease of use, uh, decided to use an existing grant formula. In fact, it's the largest education grant um, uh, that comes down to states from the federal government, and it's called Title I. Um, Title I goes back to the Johnson's War on Poverty in the mid-60s. Mm-hmm. The program was put in place largely to provide compensatory services to low-income children um, in urban and rural settings. And the formula uh, is designed to just do that, send the most amount of money to those 
um, children that are most in need as measured by like uh, their economic situation. So uh, Congress decided to use Title I uh, formula to distribute this aid and it results in some very um, uh, uh, wide variety or uh, variation in, in funding amounts um, using Title I. And our blog kind of dove into this, um, not so much to you know, predict the exact amount of money that districts are going to get, but to show the effect mm -hmm. that um, this Title I uh, formula has on um, the resources, kind of as an illustration. And so, um, you know, we pointed out that because of the Title I uh, concentration on, you know, large, uh, highly uh, concentrated poverty districts, those districts do the best in this allocation. So, um, but we also found out that districts that are similar in terms of the student demographics, mm -hmm. um, you know, same uh, share of kids in poverty, they uh, were uh, treated not as favorably under this this uh, this distribution. So um, that that's kind of uh, the Title One in a nutshell. People have been de debated the the merits of Title One and whether or not it's achieved its its primary goal. Um, but that's not the debate for today. The debate for today is whether or not it's the appropriate tool to use to uh, you know address the the pandemic's effect on, on children across the state. Sure. So the formula is what it is, and, and they chose to use this formula, as I mentioned, goes back a couple of decades. So um, what, uh, is, there, is there a recommendation, or what, what, uh, is there another tool out there that could be used to distribute this money more equitably, or a combination of tools yeah. that can be used to distribute this money more equitably? Or uh, is there some benefit to... to, to going through the state as opposed to delivering it directly to the school districts. Right. Well, I, you know, as I mentioned, Congress probably for, for ease of use directed it through this uh, formula. And mm -hmm. there's no doubt the, the, the evidence is clear that um, kids in high poverty districts, kids from uh, poorer households uh, have a more challenging time learning in this COVID era. And there's mm -hmm. no doubt the evidence is there. The, the question is really, um, and, and no one study it, to what degree has, um, has their edu education been impacted from the pandemic vis-a-vis -vis kids who aren't in those similar situations? Um, you know, and the numbers that we, we saw, the, the difference in Michigan, uh, some of the highest uh, per pupil amounts from this funding uh, are about 10 times as large as the, uh, the state means. So it's, it, it bears the question, are, is the learning loss and are the learning needs of the dis kids in those um, high poverty districts really 10 times greater than someone, quote unquote, in an average district? So we did uh, recognize that disparity and suggested that um, maybe a more equitable way to distribute the money um, to ensure that all kids are benefited equally from the money uh, would be to just do a flat per pupil allocation uh, for uh, a, a portion of the funding and then to acknowledge that additional need and those uh, uh, challenges that those high poverty districts face is to use the Title I formula there. So just something, if I were advising Congress, I might suggest that as the, uh, the next uh, 
formula in the next round of stimulus. Yeah, it's interesting because in the in the blog you referenced a couple of Wayne County districts, right? You mentioned uh, Detroit. You mentioned I think it was Dearborn um, Heights as well, and they had similar uh, they had a similar number of students that are defined as you know economically challenged or in in lower uh, you know income brackets, uh, but they were treated much differently the way the uh, the way the current formula is, is is being used. So you see it in in districts that are you know just a handful of miles apart, uh, similar demographics, but, but treated very, uh, um, differently, uh, with, with using, with using title one. Well, exactly. And, you know, the nature of the, the pandemic is, is, is that it's been non-discriminatory in its effect. Um, it's, uh, hit, has hit rural districts, urban districts. Um, it has generally hit um, them harder than um, other districts, but all districts still have been hit. And I think Congress, um, you know, well, well-intentioned, uh, probably just uh, used uh, this to expedite the process. Um, but hopefully they'll take a look going forward about some of the, the disparities that are, are generated from the formula. This money is, is, was just passed and is just, you know, coming to the, to the schools, you know, as we speak, really. Um, they're trying to figure out how they're, how they're going to be allocated this money. What does it mean for them going forward? Because we have a state budget to look forward to here and later on in 2021. What does this, uh, this mean for these districts who uh, have a fiscal year that ends, you know, at the end of June? Well, great question. Um, the money uh, Congress allocated is eligible uh, through September 2023. So the way this lines up with school fiscal years is that it's it's actually available for the entirety of four different um, budget years for schools. So for those districts that uh, their allocations are very high on a per pupil basis, they may want to you know, be judicious in programming that money because um, as of right now, we're not looking at state aid cuts or uh, revenue reductions uh, mm-hmm. coming down f- through, you know, the school aid budget. Um, but we still haven't ride, wrote out this pandemic and the, the effects on state revenues um, uh, in the future may be such that, you know, these schools are going to have to tap into those resources um, that they put away. Uh, now, on the other side, um, those districts that aren't seeing as large allocations um, you know, they'll probably be blow through that money fairly quickly, just meeting, you know, the pandemic learning loss and the uh, added costs of opening. And they may not be well prepared to deal with any future uh, budget cuts. Um, we're not predicting any budget cuts right now. Um, in fact, the budget's in a fairly healthy state. Uh, but, you know, the pandemic has been almost uh, predictably unpredictable uh, at every turn. And, um, you know, who knows what the revenue picture will look like, um, you know, in September 2023, um, when this money has to be spent. Yeah, too far down the road to be uh, to be looking at 2023 and what that uh, what that might look like. But as you mentioned, some of those school districts that did not receive the bulk of the money will be eyeing the state budget more closely going forward because they did not get that influx of cash. Now you mentioned some of the costs that that schools are encountering. I just wanted to to mention that it, it's reported that uh, some of those costs are per implementing some of the CDC recommendations to mitigate the spread of COVID as schools try to reopen that they could run anywhere between, you know, 55 to $400, you know, a student really to, to try to implement some of these across the state. So when you mentioned increased costs, that's, that's part of it. Is that correct? 
Right. And, um, you know, that that's like kind of just reopening schools and right. having the staff there to clean and maybe some, you know, uh, different bus routes because you can't put kids shoulder to shoulder in a, in a seat. Mm -hmm. um, but, but the bigger costs that schools are going to be facing and, and to some extent, extent this money will be used for that is the learning loss that has occurred schools some schools have been uh not in person in michigan uh going on uh almost 10 months now in march right. it'll be a year since uh schools were shut down last spring and then of mm -hmm. course shut down through the spring and um and then into the beginning of this year so there's going to be substantial learning loss um, across the state and the federal government is acknowledging that, you know, with the limitations on state's ability to uh, provide these funds, uh, they've stepped up and provided the resources to Michigan. One more question for you. Uh, I wanted to know, uh, are there any restrictions on where this money can be spent? Are there requirements on where this money uh, can or cannot be spent yet? Do we know? Well, in this case, they've, they've made it a fairly um, broad menu of services that can be provided. Everything from, you know, cleaning supplies to uh, addressing learning loss um, that has occurred. So uh, districts are going to, you know, have to account for it and meet all the federal uh, reporting requirements, uh, auditing requirements, but they have a very uh, high degree of discretion in how they use these dollars. Yeah, I ask only because I wonder if that provides some flexibility for districts across the board, whether they received a big influx of, of stimulus funding or not, they have some flexibility on how to manage that money uh, going forward, whether or not the state budget is, is, uh, is different than we expect or better than we expect or worse than we expect. The question going forward is if you were, uh, if you were advising the incoming administration and the new Congress, uh, as they look at a future stimulus, what would you suggest they look at as it relates to a, a future stimulus package for our, our education uh, in the state? Right, well, uh, bearing in mind that um, the feds have already uh, kicked down to us in less than a year's time over $2 billion uh, directly <laughs> for uh, K through 12 education, mm -hmm. I would say, you know, tap the brakes a little bit, um, wait, let's see how things bear out. As I noted, the state budget appears to be in a fairly healthy state. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Michigan is one of 50 states. Their, uh, their senators and reps may not be that, uh, uh, you know, carry that much clout. Um, so if, if there is legislation coming down to provide additional resources, I would uh, suggest to just revisit the Title I formula and maybe use it for what its intended purpose is, um, recognizing that, um, you know, uh, kids from poor districts definitely have a harder time learning in that pandemic, but the fact that, you know, all kids are hit by the pandemic and we need to make sure that all kids re receive at least a base amount of funding um, to help, uh, you know, get past the, the challenges of COVID. Well, let's hope that the uh, state budget remains in a healthy position and we all continue to go through this uh, as, as healthily as we can and, and come out the other side a stronger, uh, stronger state. So, Greg, thank you very much for sharing your insights on this uh, important topic. Education is always one of the most important things we talk about. So, uh, so thank you very much. Thank you. Along with this podcast, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan produces blogs, research papers, op-eds, 
and other resources to better inform Michigan citizens and policymakers. As an independent nonprofit, our work is funded by Michigan corporations, foundations, and individuals like yourself. If you like what you've heard, please consider making a donation by visiting crcmich.org and clicking on Get Involved. Thank you for your support.